Hey youth, it's Pastor Luke. I hope that you are blessed and encouraged by this awesome message. We are talking about formation. Everyone say, say, everyone say formation. 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 We're talking about formation. And you and I, there's a scripture that says, uh, you're the potter and I'm the clay. Uh, talking about the father, that he's the potter and we're like clay in his hands. And more modern example of that, obviously, is Plato, right? Like we, we love, uh, who played with Plato when they were a kid? No, okay, be honest. Who ate Play-Doh when they were a kid? Okay, yeah, that's, that's more honest, yeah. So, you know, like the thing about Play-Doh, right? Like I have a piece of Play-Doh and I'm, I can form this into whatever shape I want. I mean, if I'm talented enough. Like I can, I can make this into whatever shape, whatever design. I can make a smiley face on it. I can poke it and I'm going to make an indent on it, right? I am forming this piece of Play-Doh. I'm, I'm part of its formation, and today as we're talking about formation, we need to think of ourselves in that way, that we are malleable in the sense. You guys are high schoolers, you're smart, you probably know what malleable means. It means that when there's an external force on us that we bend to its shape, we bend to its influence. That's what malleable means. It means that you can change its appearance, you can change its substance. We are malleable not just as Christians, as human beings, we are malleable. We are formable. That's why we're talking about formation uh, today. And I'll give you a dumb example of this. But when I was in college, uh, I had these really two great roommates. One was, uh, his name was Steven. The other, his name was Landon. Landon was an awesome guy, good friend. He was on my golf team. But Landon had this like really deep voice. (laughs) It's all good. Uh, Landon had this really deep voice. Uh, deeper than mine. I don't think my voice is that deep, but he had a deeper voice than mine. But whenever he laughed, he laughed like, <laughs> it was like so funny because he had this like, hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Whatever. And then he would like, you make him laugh. and be like, dude, that's, that's funny. <laughs> it was just like the funniest, most weird paradoxical thing. Right. And over time he was my roommate. So what do you think happened? I started laughing like this guy. So Cassidy visited me while I was, uh, while I was living there and, you know, I have my laugh. I don't know what I necessarily sound like when I laugh. But all of a sudden, I had just kind of picked up on his laugh. And I just started laughing like, like, like every single time I would laugh at Cassidy's like, Aaron, what are you saying? Like, what is that sound that you're making? I'm like, I'm just laughing. And he'd be like, oh, because you live with Landon and you're literally picking up on his mannerisms. I've kind of always been like that, not for any particular reason, but the people that I'm around, I tend to like adopt their their vo- their voice or their sound or their style, whatever. I think we kind of all are that way. And it's because, like I said, we are malleable people. And today, as we're talking about formation, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 17. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, go to 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings 17. And what's going on here in 2 Kings, uh, the, the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles are literally telling the story of all the kings of Israel and Judah around this time after Solomon's reign, because remember there was King David, who was king ruler over all of Israel, meaning Israel and Judah. They were still the 12 tribes of Israel, the whole people, all God's people. David was the king. Then his son Solomon became the king after him, still one unified nation. After the fall of Solomon's empire, after the fall of Solomon's kingdom, this one kingdom, Israel, split into two factions, the northern tribe of Israel and the southern tribe of Judah, or the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. 
So that's the mentality that we have to know going into First and Second Kings, that it's telling two narratives, all these kings of Israel and all these kings of Judah. And every single king of Israel that's recorded after Solomon, every single king of Israel is no good. It says about every single one of them, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Judah had some really bad kings, but also they had some really good kings. And I, I'm convinced that part of that is because the capital, Jerusalem, was still there. They had the temple, they had the ark, and there was still this semblance of spirituality and faith a little bit, though they fell very far. So today, um, where we're at in 2 Kings 17, is this is talking about the very last king of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel. This is the last king, and his name was Hosea. Everyone say Hosea. Hosea, Hosea okay. Uh, and again, it's, it, it says in, you know, Hosea, son of so-and-so, he became king of Israel at such and such age, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And that's where we're picking up and in uh, verse 7. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they had feared other gods and had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. Okay, so what the, what the writer is doing here in 2 Kings 17 is he's summarizing the past and bringing that into the frame of reference for what we're seeing in 2 Kings 17. We're seeing this great falling away or basically the capstone or the final send off of Israel because of their rebellion. And we're going to see in a second that they literally are taken into captivity by the nation of Assyria. They're completely dominated, taken as slaves into another nation, basically, because of their sin. And what the writer is doing is he's saying, hey, you need to know why they're in this position. Because over and over and over and over and over and over again, they abandoned and rebelled against the God who brought them out of Egypt, who brought them out of the wilderness into the promised land. God has been faithful to these people over years and years and years. This has been hundreds of years of this cycle, okay? God had saved them from the nations that didn't serve him, all for them to rebel against God and take on the gods and the behaviors of the nations that he saved them from. I'm gonna say that again in Easier terms. God, here's a nation, right? Let's just call it Arizona, okay? They're, they're in captivity in Arizona and the people in Arizona are terrible. They don't serve God. So God takes his people out of Arizona, brings them to, let's not say California because he takes them to good old Idaho. I don't know, whatever. He takes them to Idaho and it's great. And he's like, and I'm gonna prosper you and it's awesome. Okay, wait, guys, why are you still acting like you're in Arizona? That's kind of what was going on with Israel. And it was this cycle over and over and over again. And it makes me think of this verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. I don't know about you, but I tend to unfortunately go back to my sin. I fall, I rebel, I make mistakes. And I'm like, I'm never doing that again. No way. And then what happens? like a dog back to its vomit, right? And the example is because if you have a dog, dogs throw up a weird amount. Can we agree on that? Like they throw up a lot. It's kind of weird. My dog growing up, we had a purebred collie. He was a great dog, but he ate grass every morning. (laughs) He would just go outside. He would go pee. 
And then he would just eat a bunch of grass and we would look at the clock and be like, all right, two hours from now, he's just going to go like blow chunks outside because he ate too much grass, right? So, uh, and sure enough, a couple hours later, he'd go outside and throw up. So that has nothing to do with my message, but, uh, oh yeah, dog returns with vomit, right? So a fool repeats his folly. It should show us, show you and show me a little bit of the status and the state of where our heart's at if we keep going back to the things that God has delivered us from. God's delivered us from certain things, right? He's delivered us from sin. He's de- delivered us. And I'm not saying that we, we, we have to be perfect and it's like, oh, you're saved so you can't sin anymore. Well, that is the case, but you're, you're saved so you shouldn't. You're never going to sin anymore. No, we are in process. Hebrews 10, 14, by that one great sacrifice, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. We're in process, okay? Another funny example of this. Um, I love the restaurant sauced. Okay. I love sauce. If you haven't been there, it's great. Um, but my friend David turned me on to this one order there and they're called the swamp fries. Okay. So it's basically fries with just like every sort of junk food on top of it, basically. And it's delicious. But one time we were at sauce and he was like, you know what I bet they could do? I bet they could top this with mac and cheese. <laughs> and we're sitting at this restaurant and he's ordering the swamp fries and he goes, you know what? And he asked the waitress, he's like, can I make a request? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, can you just like put a bunch of mac and cheese on top of this? <laughs> and they did. And it was amazing. We both like experienced swamp fries with mac and cheese and it was great in the moment. And then I wanted to die the next day. Okay. I wanted to literally die. It was the worst feeling ever. Okay, fast forward a few months and David's back in town and me and my friend, we, we have this routine of going to sauce. But what do you think I ordered again? The swamp fries with mac and cheese. And I was like, I knew what it was going to be like the next day, but I did it anyways, knowing that there was going to be pain attached to it. And how similar is that to our walks with Jesus, just our lives? We know how we're going to feel after we sin, but we still do it. And we're going to unpack why that is as we keep going. But the pattern of the Israelites, and I think it's a pattern in us too, is this. Like if I had a dial right here, it'd be sin, judgment, sorrow, repentance, walking rightly, drifting, sin, judgment, sorrow, repentance. And that cycle just continues and continues and continues. You see it literally from the moment they are in the wilderness, honestly, all the way through until the collapse of the, Isra- the, the kingdom of Israel and, and shortly after the fall of the kingdom of Judah. You see it. It's this cycle. And I think it's actually part of our humanity and what God wants to deliver us from is this cycle of sin, judgment, sorrow, repentance, walking rightly, drifting, and then falling back into sin. So let's continue on. Uh, Verse 13, yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all of his prophets, every seer saying, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law, which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, uh, the prophets. Nevertheless, they would not hear, but stiffened their necks. That basically means they were hard hearted. They, They got stubborn in their ways, stuck in their ways like the necks of their fathers, generational thing, who did not believe in the Lord their God. Okay. This is how kind and loving God is, by the way. Notice what it says at the beginning. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and every seer saying, turn from your evil ways, keep my commandments and my statutes. 
Remember the context. This had been hundreds of years of this cycle of rebellion. And then, God, we're sorry. We want relationship with you again. We want you to, we put you first again. And then drifting and then sin and judgment. The whole cycle. It had been hundreds of years of this. But God, in his love and in his patience, over and over and over and over, sent prophets and people of wisdom and godlike nature. And all the time you see these prophets just saying, guys, you got to turn. Guys, you got to turn. This isn't right. We're drifting again. We're drifting again. Come on, turn back to God. It's out of his love because it's his nature. Psalm 145, 8 says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. It doesn't mean that God doesn't get angry. It means that he is slow to get angry. A good father does not mean that he never gets angry. I would actually hope that there, were, that there would be some things that make my father angry. I would hope that my father would get angry when there's injustice against me. Can we agree on that? Like if something does something wrong towards me, I would hope that that would make my father angry. But we just want God to be, no, we just want to be love and just kind and just chill. And we're just like vibing with God. But like every once in a while, I need my earthly father But more so, I need my heavenly father up in heaven who is righteous and good and he is justice to have some righteous indignation, some anger even because there's injustice and sin and brokenness in the world. But it says that he is slow to anger and thank God that he is slow to anger because man, I fall short so often. I don't know about you. The things that I said I would never do again, I fall back into. The things that I say the things that I think, the things that I, the behaviors that I have or the, the gossip or slander or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? God, I learned my lesson. I'm not doing that again. And the cycle, but he's slow to anger, abounding in mercy. And I lose my temper at the drop of a hat. Okay. Anybody else? Like I get really angry really easily. Uh, I know I don't give off that vibe of being an angry person, but trust me, like every once in a while, there's some things that make me angry. Like a couple of weeks ago, we were went to this concert and it almost didn't happen because there was just logistical problems and stuff. And I literally was just getting so frustrated because I didn't want to let this person down and I didn't want to let this person down and I was going to inconvenience this person and everything. It just got me so bent out of shape. And I literally had to tell Cassidy, I was like, I can't talk to you right now. I can't talk to anybody. I just got to be in my car by myself because, man, I am angry. Like, this is making me so mad. Thank God that he is slow to anger. He, he's like us, but also not like us at all, right? He's not fickle. He's not temperamental. He's not irritable. He's slow to anger. But now we're going to get into really what stuck out to me in this text, okay, in, in verse 15. Again, it's summarizing, and it says, And they rejected God's statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. The Israelites were in formation, just like you and just like me, as a nation and as individuals. They were in formation. They were Plato. They were clay being formed. But what does verse 15 show us? They followed idols and what became idolaters. This is literally the process of formation. You become what you follow most. 
You become what you follow most. You become the influences that you let most into your life. I've said before, I don't, as long as it's, as long as there's secular music that's not you know, vile or sexual or inappropriate or whatever, and it's just good music, I don't think God has a problem with that, but the music that we listen to, the shows that we choose to watch, the, the conversations that we choose to have, that is all part of our formation. You are being formed, but what are you being formed by? You are Play-Doh, and are you allowing the Holy Spirit to form you in the process of formation with God? Or allowing the world, or is it a tug of war? And ultimately, that Plato is going to break. And then I land in a place called hypocrisy, which is I look like I'm being formed by God, but I'm also fully in formation of the world. Um, you know, Jesus has something to say about that. I wish you were either hot or cold, but instead you're lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. God, I think there's, there's something in God's heart that he, he detests, and I think it's for good reason, when we are not in or out. We're like a bird jumping between two branches. And I think the question for all of us, and you all know me, I, I, I know all of you, we've been doing life together for a while now, but we gotta always be asking ourselves this question, What's forming me? What's discipling me? We're all being discipled, but who's discipling you? What's discipling you? Am I being discipled in the way of Jesus or am I being discipled in the way of TikTok? Am I being discipled in the way of Jesus or discipled in the way of sports or girls or guys or whatever? Like what influences? And what I'm not talking about, you know that saying like, you know, I'm in the world, but not of it. I think, it's, I think that's true. Like there's this delineation, big word, but there's this difference between, no, I'm in the world, but I'm being formed by Jesus and I'm in the world and I can feel it forming me a little bit. I'm gonna be 100% honest. Um, I'm still in the process of figuring out this YouTube problem, okay? I love YouTube and I love just laying in bed at night and just like scrolling through YouTube reels. And it's embarrassing to say, but like, even last night, like I just, I just like swiping through YouTube reels or Instagram. Um, and I'm working on it. Like I'm a work in progress. I'm working on like real, I, I don't want to be that guy that's just on his phone all the time. I'm working on it. Uh, last week I tried something. I turned my phone just black and white. That lasted for like four hours. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I'm in process, but you know what I've noticed that specifically on YouTube, they're like, I'll get reels or shorts of like comedians. And some of them are really, really funny. Like, really, really funny. Uh, most are not appropriate at all. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. And, you know, I find myself laughing. And, but when I'm not taking those thoughts captive, and when I'm not kind of drawing a line in the sand of saying, okay, that's funny, but that's just not good for my brain. It actually changes the way that I interact with people and my humor. I've noticed this when I'm not being on top of what like the entertainment that I'm consuming subconsciously, it literally has a direct impact on how I talk with people and how I talk with my friends and how I joke with my friends. Because when I'm taking thoughts captive and I'm getting information inundated in my life and in my mind, if I'm not saying like almost like it's trying to pass through 
my brain and I'm not going godly, ungodly, godly, ungodly, godly, ungodly. When I'm not doing that and I'm just like mindlessly absorbing information and entertainment and content, it has a way of just kind of poisoning what's going on in my soul. And tying it all back to 2 Kings 17, this is what was happening with the Israelites. They're this nation set apart by God, called by God, promises of God over their nation. But what were they doing? They were always looking out. Oh, we like those gods in Assyria. Those are cool. Those are really, we should, you know what? Let's bring some of that in. That's awesome. Oh my gosh, look at what Babylon's doing. That's sick. Let's bring that in, right? That was the mindset. Yeah, we're called by God. You know, we're his, we're his people, we're a nation set apart. God's promised all this. It's awesome, I guess. Yeah, you know, whatever. But like, dude, do you check out what they're going, what's going on in Assyria and Samaria? That's so cool. Let's bring that in. And I can't help but think it contributed to the cycle. Contributed to that cycle of sin, judgment, sorrow, repentance, all the way back around again. And you know it, I say it all the time, garbage in means garbage out. I really, really think that your generation and my generation are going to be the change with how we absorb and we take in content and information, especially as Christians. Like, I'll give you an example. In the 50s and 60s, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, even way before then, uh, smoking cigarettes was seen as a good thing that's good for you. No, it's good for your throat. It's good for your lungs. You, You absolutely should. Everybody should smoke. Little kids should smoke. Yeah, it's a good thing for everybody. That's literally what they thought. The science proved it, quote unquote. And then we learned, oh, this is actually killing millions of people. Like, this is terrible. Why? Because over time, there was this perspective change of, okay, we thought this was good at some point, but this is killing us. Let's distance from this. I really believe that the call on us, actually, as a youth ministry, as a high school ministry right now, is to start examining the influences in our lives and saying, okay, everybody's saying this is really good and everybody should do it, but I'm kind of looking at like God's perspective and saying, maybe this is killing us. Like maybe social media is killing us. Maybe TikTok is killing us, not physically, obviously, but in the sense of um, our, our mental health, our, our emotional health, our spiritual health, their influences. And everybody's like, no, everybody should be on these social media and everybody should be not just to harp on that, but everybody should be doing these things. But maybe it's actually killing us. And we need to keep that in mind. Check the influences that are going on. What have I let into my nation, the nation of my life, so to speak? God's called me apart. But what am I allowing to form me, forge me, to change me? That's all I have for today. But my, to use a big word, my exhortation, my benediction to you this week be to just check your influences because what you follow you become what you follow most you become would we be young people that say yeah I've got some friends and I like this music and this show's funny and I love it but I follow Jesus 
first and foremost, he's my influence. I think some of us actually need to change our language from, yeah, I'm a Christian, to I follow Jesus. Because there's a huge difference right now. Like everyone and their mom says they're Christian. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you're like, are we saying the same thing? Like, are we both saying that we, like, I really think that there maybe needs to be a little movement right now of Christians that are saying, yes, I'm Christian, but I follow Jesus. You want to take it a step further? I'm apprenticing under Jesus. I am a disciple of Jesus. People are like, that sounds freaking weird. And you're like, no, literally, I am being apprenticed by Jesus. He's forming me. I have given him carte blanche. I have given him full access to form me, change me. I'm literally clay in his hands. I want to look like him, sound like him, talk like him, think like him. I want to love like him. I want to be kind like him. So I have given him myself to form me and change me. I'm not going to be bent and malleable and formed by the systems and the brokenness of the world. No, I am giving myself to Christ because I want to be formed by him and him alone. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. And Lord, would we be a people, young people that truly are formed by you because what we follow, we become the Israelites. It says they followed, they followed idols and they became idolaters. What was once something they followed, they became, it became part of their identity. So Father, we today say we follow Jesus because we want to be like him. We wanna carry the light of Christ everywhere we go, be formed by him, fashioned by him, God, we, we give you control of our formation today. Even just right now, just even under your breath or just in your spirit, I want you to just tell God, God, I give you control of my formation as a believer in Jesus. I want you to form me. I want you to fashion me. I want to care about what you care about. I want to love what you love. Lord, I want to, I want to hate what you hate, as strong as that sounds. Lord, I want, to, I want to be about your business and nothing else. Father, we honor you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That was such a great word. I hope you were blessed by it. I know that I was. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed for any future messages and also to follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YCH to keep up to date with everything we have going on here. See you next time.